Tyler Edwards is an author and pastor at Carolina Forest Community Church. He has degrees in biblical literature and Christian ministry from Ozark Christian College and writes both fiction and nonfiction books. He lives in South Carolina with his wife, Erica, and their son, Rowan, and I am so excited to share that he is joining me on today's episode of the Power to Pivot podcast to talk about his new book, The Outlands. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. I am joined today by pastor, author, Tyler Edwards. Tyler, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking and for being here on Power to Pivot podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So your book is The Outlands, correct? Yes. Congratulations on, on getting that published. Thank you. Tell us a little bit of what it's about. So <clears throat> The Outlands is a, is a dystopian story about a world that has fallen apart and all the people that survive live in a few remaining cities. And so uh, the main city that the story takes place in uh, is ruled by a hyper-controlling uh, government that tries to put everyone into a box because they perceived that the world fell apart because there was too much individualism, too much people doing their own thing. And so they thought they would save humanity by creating an overly structured system. But within any system, there's always gonna be things that fall through the cracks. And so the story is about main character, the main character who doesn't fit within the system and he's trying to find his place in a world that doesn't really believe he should exist. Oh my goodness. Is this a story? There's a lot of different themes in there, I hear. <laughs> um, in particular though, you know, that feeling of like not really fitting with the world and is that intentional? Is that sort of, does that bring it forward like a personal story? Tell me yeah. about that. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, that's I guess maybe probably a little bit uh, counseling wise rooted in my past uh, where I was, uh, I was an awkward kid in high school. Uh, everybody's trying to find their place and, you know, teenagers can be mean. So, oh, yes, uh, for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't know where I fit and where I was supposed to do and, and all this stuff. And so I just, it was very much a journey of like, I, I'm not like these group. I'm not like this group. I'm not like this group. And, and nobody really seems all that accepting of the differences. Uh, that I have because I have a quirky sense of humor and, and all this different stuff. And so it was kind of a, I guess a part of it is this kind of recognizing like, I think a lot of people feel that way. Some people are just better at hiding it than others, um, but kind of wanted to have a character where it goes like, it's not only okay for you to be different, it's kind of the point. And that difference is what makes you unique and valuable and special in the world that your contribution is, is the uniqueness that you have because everybody can conform to a, a carbon copy of something. But you you have certain things that only you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. How did you come to a point where you were able to kind of uh, embrace that? Because you're absolutely right. I think that journey of acceptance for who you are is not easy, but people some learn to kind of tolerate and accept it for themselves. And I love that you said like they can hide it better. Um, how did you come to that point for yourself where you're like, I'm willing to accept me as, as I am, and I want to share that, that me with the world? Yeah, I think it was, for me, it was more finding the right people. And I think that's kind of that crucial bit is there's just a lot of people who there's nothing wrong with them. They're just, they're not going to be what you need. And they're not going to, they're not going to care for you the way that you need to or accept you the way you need to accept. They need to, because they're just not 
they're not wired that way. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they might do that for someone else, but they're not going to do that for you because you don't fit their little zone. Uh, and so I just kind of found the right group of people who were uh, very accepting and very welcoming and kind of like, oh, it's okay for me to have a goofy sense of humor. It's okay for me to lean into this. And then I found the more and more I just kind of did, became who I was, the more and more people just accepted it because I wasn't hiding it. I wasn't like shunning away from it. So hey, this is who I am. And you either like me or you don't. Um, but I, I can't keep apologizing for <laughs> my own goofiness. And then kind of when I just sort of said, like, I'm not going to let what you want me to be define me, that really opened up that door to kind of, I think, I guess, find myself in that purpose. It almost brings, I find, uh, like a different level. I don't know if you'd call it confidence, but there's definitely some freedom there in that yeah. feeling, right? Like you, you can stand, it doesn't matter. Like you're comfortable. You're kind of just going about your day, being you, doing you. And I don't know, it's just, there's a, a free feeling for that. Yeah, it's a, I realized uh, probably towards the end of high school and the beginning of college, just the incredible burden that it is to try to live for someone else's idea of what you should be. Like that's Absolutely. just, that's an impossible weight to carry. And, uh, and it's kind of insulting to yourself and, and who you could be. Mm -hmm. I think it also helps us in being able to have that acceptance for who we are. It almost is like you can accept somebody else too, you know, that, that judgment. I don't want to say it completely goes away because we're, we're human and it happens, but it, it changes a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So did you ever, the author part, like you getting to the point where you're writing the outlands, is that something you set out to do early on? Did you know you were going to write a book? <laughs> I kind of, um, I've always had a love for for writing and storytelling and stuff. And so probably back to fourth or fifth grade when you're supposed to be paying attention and they give you your little notebooks in class, yeah. I decided that the stories that I wanted to write were more interesting than the people who were trying to teach me information mm -hmm. um, about things that they didn't really themselves care that much about. And so I just kind of got zoned in um, on, on doing that. And so I'd sit there and scribble down some of the worst story ideas ever. And then just <laughs> over time, they became slightly less terrible <laughs> and so it's always been kind of a journey and then it was just sort of it kind of you know you start writing and the, the next thing pops in your head and the next one and it just kind of it's one step at a time i guess mm -hmm. and here you are today when did the book officially release um the uh january 24th uh, so would have been the for the there's a digital copy and then there was the the hard copy and they were supposed to link together but there was a an issue with when we got set up. So the one came out basically in December and then the other one came out, kind of released in the uh, in January 24th. Well, congratulations, it's brand spanking new. Yeah. Now tell us, before we go any further, where can we find the Outlands? Cause I wanna make sure we hit on that. Yeah, so the Outlands is available on amazon.com. Uh, so they've got the Kindle version there and then you can order hard, uh, your hard copies that are you know, your paperback ones there. Um, you can find the links to it on the, the Facebook page, my Facebook page called the Outlands. Uh, there and then I have a, a website, but I need to get that <laughs> organized better because the HP is really confusing. <laughs> it's all good. It'll work itself out, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but as an author, did you find were there obstacles that you hit mindset wise? Like, did it? Did you find that it brought you back to that 
that kid in high school who was like struggling to like find his voice and, and be confident in who he was. Cause now you're like, I'm putting this story out there. It's a piece of me. I've said it before on the show. Like when you're writing, it's like serving up a, a piece of your soul to the world on a platter. So like, did that bring any of that back for you? I guess I think for me it was actually a little more cathartic because it was, I'm writing me, but I also get to control how the, or not, I mean, I, I, the main character is not actually me, just the idea of this theme, but uh, I get to control how the story goes. And so I decide how um, these people play out and things like that. So it's sort of all the, the control that you don't have uh, in your own life, you kind of get to have when you're writing the story. And so, you know, it was, I guess, uh, a, a comforting, a comforting kind of element for me to do that. Yep, it can definitely be that, you know, and I love that you mentioned, like you, you can control that environment, which mirrors right into real life, right? You know, you can control the environment and who you are. And I think that's great. I'm so excited to see where the journey takes you. What was the process like though? Like, did you set out to do like word counts every day? Like, how did you stay on track to get the book finished? The Stephen King method, uh, <laughs> 300 words a day, and then you have a novel by the end of the year. Um, I, I am more of a kind of a random inspiration writer. And mm -hmm. so, and it's usually right as I'm about to fall asleep at night and then the idea clicks in my head and I have to get up and go write it down. And then I look up and it's five o'clock in the morning and I'm like, cool. So 90 minutes of sleep before I go to work. That'll be great. Nice. Yep. <laughs> All right. This is happening, right? We're doing this, yeah. but you find a way to get, to get it done. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, I think everybody's got to get a different um, approach to, to something. And the trick is just finding what works for you. Mm -hmm. uh, because I mean, for me, I can't like, if I sit down and grind, and so I'm going to write this many words this day. I'm going to write those words. And the next day I'm going to come back and delete all of them because they're terrible because mm -hmm. I'm just not in it. Um, but what I kind of like to do is to write a thing and leave it at a, like, leave the thought somewhat unfinished so that it sits in the back of my mind. And then as I'm doing something else, I'm like, oh, there it is. That's where I want to go with it and stuff. And so it lets it flow a little more organically. I guess there's the, the two types that they describe, the architect and the gardener. And the, the architect has the design and the gardener just puts a seed down and sees what grows up. Yeah. I tend to fall more the second, I guess. <laughs> no, actually, I found for myself, it was the same. I, if I tried to, to follow like a rule about it or, or say, I'm going to write, you know, a chapter a day or 300 words it, and I forced it, or if I scheduled time to write, it wouldn't, it either wasn't good or I couldn't write it. Like nothing would flow. But when I would maybe get up and go to the gym after that, you know, the downloads would come through or, uh, you know, if I was doing the dishes, you know, it was in those random moments where I would suddenly start to be able to, to have somewhat of an idea come together. It always usually happened for me, like in the car. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah. So I, I got very used to like whipping out my voice recorder and I can't tell you how many notes for books I have, like passages, you know, in my phone right now, because I would just talk it out, uh, which sound awful, but it, it worked. I mean, it got yeah. the books written. So yeah, that's, I've <laughs> done the same thing. So what, do you have another book is, is the are the outlands going to be part of um like a series is there another book planned for you yeah i'm already actually done with chapter one of book two nice, so nice. jumping right in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's one i just want to kind of get what i'm fresh because there's a lot of world building concepts to it that i'm like i don't want to forget this element and then have it be inconsistent later and stuff and so i'm trying to 
capture and grow and then I'm you know starting to get feedback on hey here's things that people you know that like things that they didn't like and stuff and I'm like I want to operate when that feedback is fresh so that I can grow in the quality of the story that I'm telling uh, and so if I just wait you know a year then I'm going to forget the points that they made and why those points are relevant and so let's just let's just run with it and stuff and so uh, yeah that's uh, hopefully will be a, a series of several um, I don't have a, a set like it's going to be three and then done. I'll probably not do three just because there's so many dystopian stories that are trilogies. And I don't like doing things that are just like uh, everything else. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll do at least four just to be different. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, so tell us, I know that this particular story for you has a connection to a, a larger organization. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, so um, one of the things that's been on my heart for, for years, a, a friend of mine actually made a, uh, a documentary that's on Netflix about um, human trafficking. And uh, I watched it, was like, I had no idea this stuff was going on. And it was this bad. I mean, I think, you know, there's an obscure, like, okay, there's probably some of it in the world, but to see how pervasive it was, it was just really eye-opening. And so I started working, uh, kind of partnering, connecting up with um, an organization that combats human trafficking and they have a kind of a unique approach in that they they take uh, people who've been rescued out of human trafficking and they teach them skills because 80 percent who get rescued out because they were brought into it so young go back because they don't know what else to do they have no other options in life um, and so they kind of help keep them out uh, once they get out and stuff and so um, i wanted to do something with that just because like you know if, if you think about a book and there's 50 millions of millions of books <laughs> everywhere um, but what I, what I wanted to do is take the, the message of a book, which is about a world that's fallen apart and use it to make the broken pieces of our world maybe a little bit less broken. Uh, and I thought that would be just a great component to take a dystopia and try to make a utopia with it yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So. I like it, especially, well, one, I love that it's tied to the organization and that specific message. Uh, but I do appreciate the fact that you're mentioning, like, we can take the pieces that feel the most broken and make them not feel so bad and scary. And I think that's a message that I think it resonates with so many people today, uh, where a lot of people maybe are feeling, you know, lost or broken, given the last 12 months for all of us, right? So it's, it's, it's a timely point for this to, to happen for you, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think that if, when I look back and I go, look at the books that have lasted, the books that were written years ago, but we still talk about today. Mm -hmm. They're books that said something. They're books that addressed the core nature of the human condition and inspired something in us to either think differently or live differently or just that they encouraged us in a way that, you know, there's, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of great books. But there's something, it's like, why did those books not last and these do? And, and sometimes it's just, you know, luck, uh, mm -hmm. certainly. But uh, I think sometimes it's going, because this one has something that people resonate with and it's doing something in us. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, aim at that at least. Uh, you know, probably not the uh, to the skill of George Orwell or any of those guys, but, uh, you know, at least go, let's, let's try to do something with it and, you know, we'll see what happens. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Like for me, I I see it as as creators, you know, authors. We have such there's a responsibility there. Like we can shape minds and hearts, and 
in a way that touches people, you know, we can find that, that place, whether it's in creating this world that you've created in the outlands, or it's a nonfiction book, we're, we're making that connection, but we have power to like shape conversations in the world. And I mean, do you feel that responsibility? Is that necessarily something you agree with? I mean, I think, yeah. Um, I think that when you, when someone says, I'm willing to give you my time and attention, especially for something like the duration of reading a book, which can take a while, um, because not everybody's a speed reader. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so when someone's giving you that, I think there's a certain responsibility you have to honor it and to do something worthy with it. I mean, if and it's not, there's not something totally okay about just entertaining to give people an escape from the darkness of their life. That's, that's a noble effort itself because it is, I mean, I've, I've been in those places uh, and been in that where a story was the thing that kind of got me through. And it's the reason I'm like here was because I had a world to escape to that wasn't the world that I was stuck in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that world was really depressing um, for a time in my life. And so, yeah, I think with a writer, there's, there's a certain degree of responsibility you have to, to either to have something of meaning to say, or sometimes even more importantly, to do something with what you've written, to not just put an idea in people's heads and to provide an escape, but also to, to create a path, because that's what we're doing. Right? We're, 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 we're dreaming up a world, we're dreaming up an idea, we're dreaming up a, a thought. We have a responsibility to go, hey, here's this vision I have of a better life, whether it's nonfiction, you're looking at things in reality, or it's fiction and you're just creating a story to share a message. But to just say, hey, there's something better, help show us how to get there. Yeah, I like it. Uh, that's, the path is, is so important because so many people put those roadblocks up for themselves. And I feel like if you can give them that path, you know, they're going to not feel so stuck and, and that motion and momentum can happen for them. It's, you're giving them hope and then helping them like you're like grabbing their hand and going, come with me. It's better on the other side. (laughs) So what kind of books do you like to read? Who inspires you as an author and and what, what's your interest as a reader? I like books that either really drive me to to think more uh, deeply or more holistically about uh, just in the nonfiction camp. I want things that are going to challenge my mind to, to grow me, to consider how do I better care for people? How do I better show them uh, truth and love and grace and all those kinds of things? How do I do that better? So I like books that kind of provide um, thoughtful things, but also practical things. Uh, when you get into the fiction world, I like books that are that are just really different, that are that are a different world uh, that I get that I can explore and imagine. And go, wow, this is such a cool thing that this person has created. Um, I, I don't, you know, there's there's occasional books like um, you know that are you know, your, your mystery thrillers and things like that, which are great, but I tend to prefer books like um, like the Dresden Files, uh, the Sword of Truth series by Cherry Goodkind, uh, books where you're, you're learning about a different world and the rules are a little different. Uh, because for me, I find that that helps you really question, are these rules that we have in our life today because they have to be or because we just haven't challenged them? And so that gives it kind of a, a different thing to go, what, is, what, what in life have I accepted as being fixed, but it's actually fluid? And what is it I'm saying, you know, and, and sometimes those stories that they tell these things, you go, I never would have thought to question that. But now I can take that here into my personal life and go, what about this? And I think that's really cool. So uh, this is exciting to me and that you've mentioned this, and I, I'm going to challenge this almost a little bit. I, not, I don't know the challenge is the right word, but... I want to ask a question because I know that you're also 
a pastor. So how does that, uh, is it okay if we talk about that first? Okay, so I, I'm curious what, like how that plays into the, like the challenging the status quo and, and, you know, is that something that you, like, how do you either balance it or incorporate that, if that makes any sense? Yeah, so for, I guess, in, in one sense, let me know if I'm, if I'm missing the, the, the nature of the question here, but like, the, when, when I, as a pastor, you know, I believe that God is a creator mm-hmm. and that we're made in his image, which means that creativity is us living out part of the design that God had created for us. And so I get excited about seeing like, oh, look at this. Like, this is the imagination of a less, of a created thing. Imagine how great the, the imagination of the creator who gave us this little gift um, must be beyond what we can see or experience in this life. And so for me, that's always an exciting bit. Um, but a lot of times, so even like the outlands and how um, it was actually inspired partly by interacting with religious people. Um, and by religious people, I mean people that are so focused on the rules and the systems that they can't see how to graciously apply certain things. That's um, really, and so, in terms of asking the question, I think that's really the framework that I wanted to bring up okay. because I think that a lot of times those rules can either be a barrier to entry or we look at that and go, well, it's a roadblock in some way. So how do you teach not fo- following the rules, but not following the rules, if that make, but challenging them, if, if that makes any sense? Yeah, well, so there's um, a lot of it to me is the, the difference between unity and uniformity. The nature of unity is that it requires diversity. You can't be one despite different, you, you, you can't be a bunch of different people coming together as in one unified thing if you're not different. Uniformity is everybody being the same. And that's kind of actually the system of the government that exists uh, in Dios was inspired by just seeing a lot of this really heavy rule regimented churches where uh, you've got people that's like, they do, it, they're doing it out of duty and not out of desire. And I'm like, you're missing so much of, of what this was meant to be. And so in the old, or in the old into the New Testament, uh, there's a group called the Pharisees, which there's a group in the book that's kind of inspired by them. Um, but they were so rule focused, but the problem was, and they started with a good idea. So God has his rules. We don't want people to break God's rules. So we're making our rules around God's rules you know, as a barrier, like a fence to keep you from falling into the Grand Canyon kind of thing. But then over time, as we'd learned from Animal Farm, they started confusing their rules with God's rules and thinking that violating their stipulations and their kind of, here's how we say you should do this, became in their mind the same as ignoring God. And so they imposed this ungodly burden on people in the name of God. And, uh, it's not that there aren't, you know, expectations and things that God teaches. There absolutely are. Uh, so it's not like you just throw it all out, but it's recognizing, okay, is this something that you have interpreted or is this something that's how it was said? And that's, um, I find a lot of issues with them, with people who kind of confuse their interpretation of something that's said with, you know, because they're not always even unpacking the fullness of the context of what was said originally. That's an important point because it's easy to get lost in the interpretation, which a lot of times is based in what's inside of us. I think it's not usually what I find is it's not really based in truth a hundred percent. So I, I love that you called that out. Uh, and I appreciate that so much as a creator in terms of your work as an author, but also as the, the pastor side of you too, because I know for me growing up, 
in the church setting that I did, that was not accepted, but also not something that I agreed with. So I, I'm very much more in line with what you said. So I appreciate it. Um, so what's next? So you're, you started the next book. You're hoping to have it done by the end of the year. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's possible. Um, it's just kind of, again, since I kind of write with inspiration, I've had times where there's a, a three month where there's just nothing, just a yeah. complete barren desert of thought. And so um, there's a lot of other things kind of, you know, obviously when it's kind of, you have a, a full-time job and then you write, and then I've got a, you know, a two-year-old son and my wife and, and all that. And so there's just a lot of things that kind of, you know, finding that little groove in that time to turn it out. But if I could, yeah, I'd love to have it done by the end of the year and, and see, just kind of seeing how this does and then kind of where to go from there and stuff. How do you find balance as someone, you know, working, you know, as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, how do you find that balance to be able to create? I think it's, for me, it's, I kind of do it by, I stay up later than the rest of my family. Yep. <laughs> so um, basically, you know, when I've got work and then I don't like to, um, there's a lot of people, especially in my line of work that sacrifice their family on the altar of ministry and their calling. I don't want to do that. I don't want my son to feel like, hey, you're, you just kind of, you've got other things that you're doing that are more important than me. It's like, no, you're you're an essential piece of my life. And that's a priority to me. My wife is a priority to me. And so I want to make sure that in a given week, they have the time that they deserve. And whether that's helping take care of my son so my wife can go do something she wants to do or uh, whatever it looks like, I got a responsibility to them because I have that covenant relationship with them. And I have that bond with them. Um, so it's, you know, got the work, I've got that. And then it's just that free time of, okay, um, I've got this amount of um, margin in my week. Am I, you know, how do I want to, do I need to do that to refill my own tank? Cause I'm exhausted. Do I need to do that to, do I want to dive into this creative mode and, and play with that? And so it just, um, for me, I just kind of go, okay, they go to bed. I stay up for another hour or two and I can get a couple things done then. So that gives me a little bit of just time that I'm not taking away from them, but I still get, you know, plenty of sleep and everything like that, or, you know, I'll sleep later, like a year or so. Right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. You're getting it done, which is great. So before we end, one, I appreciate, Tyler, that you took the time to come on. We wish you so much success with the Outlands. I hope everybody checks Thank it you. out. And again, you can find it on Amazon, you said, correct, in Kindle and paperback. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Awesome. And then are you on social media? I am. I have so I have a page for the Outlands specifically. I have a pastor page, and then I have my own personal page that um, that's like me and my my friends and people that I know personally, kind of thing. So yeah, okay. I've got that. I've got Twitter. I've got uh, Instagram that I somewhat understand how to use, but my wife usually corrects me and goes, "You did this wrong." Okay. <laughs> that's my kids i'm like how do i i just go to them now how do i do this and they're make this thing they're happen. my yeah yeah make, help me do that or i think it was um snapchat i was like I, how does it work i don't get it that was like back and i got a tutorial from my uh, 16 year old about snapchat which was great so very yeah. helpful yeah. Uh, nice to have tech support in the house with me at all times um so uh, we'll get the show notes up and make sure that we have the links for the book and where people can find you. Are there any last minute like parting messages you want to leave with listeners? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I guess the, I don't know, I guess my encouragement to me, to, to everybody would just be finding, 
you know, life in a part is what you get dealt in life is mostly what you make of it. And your perspective controls your attitude more than anything that happens to you. And so uh, in, in most situations, nothing affects how you feel other than your own choice. And so um, you can choose in any situation to, to be a, a positive person that is a blessing to other people and encourages them, or you can choose to be frustrated and uh, kind of bitter because of everything that's happened around you. Uh, but that's more about your choice than it is about what's happened. Absolutely. In most cases. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I agreed in most. You can't say no. all, but um, so Tyler, thank you so much. I'm going to follow that up with our sign off for the show, which is this. You are never stuck. You are never lost and you are never alone at any given moment. You have the power to use your power to pivot, which is to make a new choice and put yourself on an entirely new path. And with that, guys, we'll, we hope to hear you and see you next time on another Power to Pivot podcast. We'll talk with you soon. At March 4th Media Company, we believe that we can create positive change in the world together through the power of message or story. So we are here to help others create, share, and grow their messages as creative entrepreneurs, offering marketing services, coaching, and publishing support for the independent creative. So if you are someone who's looking to gain clarity on your message, find your authentic voice as a creative to get comfortable talking about and sharing your work, if you're looking for help publishing and marketing your work, including the editing, format, and finishing, if you're looking to connect with your target audience to grow your following, reach out to us at www.marchforthmediacompany.com and learn about all the ways that we are here to help and support you in getting your message out to the world. We also have our blog and you can check out more information about previous episodes of the Power to Pivot podcast as well. Once again, that is www.marchforthmediacompany.com. Hey guys, Liz here from the Power to Pivot podcast. And I know one thing, and that it is difficult to get what you want in life when you're living by someone else's standards, definitions, and assumptions. Living from that space does not feel good at all, I know. I lived there myself for far too long. For the longest time, I was searching for the things that would make my life better. Any tool or resource that promised to bring success, happiness, better health, more money. And then when it never showed up, I realized that my own life was, and it sometimes still is, a complete and total shit show. It's messy, it's complicated. And I was walking around looking for the answer from somewhere, anywhere else in the world. The truth always was that I had everything I needed already inside of me. Those resources and answers that I so desperately felt like I was searching for were all available and I just needed a way to connect with them. And if you're anything like me, I wanted it to be easy and effortless to get where I wanted it to be. It's quick, painless, But the real dirty little secret is that's just not the way life works, especially when you're trying to live by someone else's standards and assumptions. So if you are ready to make 2021 your most authentic, to to drop the rules, to drop 
all those standards and assumptions that someone else put on you, then I want you to check out my new workbook. It is called Connect You, A Guide to Your Authentic Life. It just came out right before Christmas, and I'm really excited to share it with you. This book is a guide. It's like a roadmap to help you put all those pieces together for yourself. Those pieces, those nuances that make you you in a way that honors your own definitions of success and in a way that motivates you to live the life that you truly want to live. You have the answers already inside of you. Use this workbook as a guide to put those pieces together. Tap into the power and possibility that exists within you. And if you're ready to get started, the book is called Connect You, A Guide to Your Authentic Life. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it at barnesandnoble.com as well. I'm so excited to share it. It is a pen and paper workbook. Get those pens ready. This is the year that you take back your authenticity. You step into your power and live your best life.